Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we are in the books of First and Second Samuel. We talk about the anointing of King Saul and King David and the interactions that they have with each other and the interesting stories that we get about how they treated each other in that time period. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Chris Winterman. I'm Doug DeGraffenreid. So join us as we go deeper. If history is written by the victors, we have history and the Samuel material that's written by the vanquished. It's written by folks either immediately preceding or surrounding the Babylonian captivity that are wondering what the heck happened and why did our nation go to pot. First uh, Samuel and Second Samuel are concerned with two primary issues. The first is the place of worship. Mm-hmm. Where do we worship? And the text starts out in First Samuel with us worshiping in Shiloh. Mm-hmm. And if you read even the passages we weren't supposed to read, you discover the ark is on a journey, and the ark eventually ends up in Jerusalem. And um, that's still an issue for us today. Where do we worship? Yeah. Do we worship in the sanctuary? Do we worship in the Trinity Center? Is God more present in the hymn, or is God more <laughs> present in the uh, um, the songs? So uh, this ancient issue is cropping back up. Mm-hmm. The other thing that is so uh, interesting, and this podcast is recorded with uh, President Trump still in office but impeached by the House of Representatives for the second time, Another issue through the Samuel material is how do you define and how do you experience legitimate leadership? Oh, and yeah. what we see through the first part of First Samuel is illegitimate leadership. Of course, we get Samuel, and Samuel goes, yeehaw, but I don't think Samuel's kids are all that great, Mm -hmm. because that's when Israel decides they want a king. We start with Saul, and Saul... Uh, starts out well and crashes and burns. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to David, who starts out well and crashes and burns. Seems to we be will a common go to theme. Solomon, who starts out well and <laughs> crashes and burns, and we get to Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and they just burn. Um, so you have Israel in captivity or about to go into captivity, asking, "How did this happen?" And yeah. Around the campfire. They started telling the stories, and the stories go all the way back to um, Samuel and prior to Samuel to uh, Eli. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you've got Eli and Samuel both as transitional characters. They're either judges or they're prophets. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. Because the role of a judge is morphing into the role of a prophet. And the role of a prophet is going to morph into a professional religious leader. And mm-hmm. then the question arises, should we listen to these prophets? Well, so, but as I read back to Judges, do, does it seem that God doesn't speak directly to the judges in the same manner that God speaks directly to the prophets? The prophets generally have, the Lord said to them, and they said that, to the people, the Lord says this. 
the judges don't seem to operate in that kind of fashion. The judges are more or less go get rid of the Philistines, and they don't have the the preaching part of it. Yeah, they're they're doers, not speakers. They, they are definitely doers and not speakers. First um, Samuel three nineteen. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And I've kind of got that. What a beautiful image! Let none of his words fall to the ground. If you've ever been in the pulpit, you've ever t- tried to preach, some of your sermons go straight to the communion rail and crash right there. <laughs> you know what it means to have your words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. So already we've got hints that you can be a trustworthy prophet or you might have been bought. Uh, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So Shiloh is now the center of worship and Shiloh is an important place of worship and all the stuff going on around the first parts of 1 Samuel happened in and around Shiloh. You get to the 8th chapter, and this is where Israel uh, demands a king, but they demand a king because um, Samuel became old and made his sons judges, not prophets, judges. The name of the firstborn was Joel, the name of the second one was Abijah. Um, they were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not follow in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Yeah. So, you know, maybe things you can't pass down, like your seat in the legislature or your right. place in the pulpit, that the second generation sometimes doesn't catch on. So Israel wants a king. And they want a king because everybody else has got a king. Right. And we know that if your your friends jump off a bridge, you're going to jump off a bridge Absolutely. because that's the argument our mothers made to us. <laughs> and there's an extensive section in uh, 1 Samuel 8 where Samuel is reporting the words of the Lord mm-hmm. about this king. And see if this sounds familiar. These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen and run before his chariots. He's going to draft them in the military. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and his equipment for his chariots. So not only is he going to draft them for his military, he's going to draft them for their his own personal gain. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers, especially if they really cooked. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He is going to take care of his buddies, and he's going to use it by taxing you and by taking your possessions to pass on to people who are important to him. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. He will then take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. Here's an important verse. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. 
Mm-hmm. So, Scripture is already telling the Hebrews, you're going to turn your back on God, and God's going to reciprocate. Yeah. But hidden down in verse verses 19 and 20, something I think we need to hear even today, but the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, we are determined to have a king so that we may also be like other nations and that our king may govern us, that sounds good, and go out before us and fight our battles. So it sounds to me like they, none of this other stuff withstanding, they were wanting somebody to come and fight their battles. Do their work for them. And not trusting that God would be sufficient in and of himself, yeah, that's right. And it's we're we're really not that terribly far removed from Joshua. Whenever the Lord really went to battle for the people, I was going to say, you. I mean, we're we're several generations uh, past, but Mm -hmm. I think it's a very good example of how we are so quick to forget. And and if if I didn't experience it for myself. Then it didn't happen, you know. Mm. I I love to tell my son just as much as my dad told me. Experience is a great teacher. Somebody else's experience is even better. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't hurt as much. I never listened, and so now whenever I tell Charlie, (laughs) I'm thinking, man, I wish I had listened. And and, and, and even even when you look at what's going on in Judges, Mm -hmm. we're seeing the same pattern. Oh, absolutely. The the reason God had to send a judge Mm -hmm. was because Israel did things they weren't supposed to do Mm -hmm. with people they weren't supposed to do them with. Yeah. And God would allow them to suffer some to make them realize Mm -hmm. we're doing something that's leading us down a very dangerous path. Mm -hmm. And then God would allow these foreign nations, especially the Philistines, but multiple nations Mm -hmm. or peoples, to come against them and to give them serious problems. So it, this is not new. Right. It's this, part of the same this, cycle. It, it's, it, it's the same cycle. And I think I think there's a danger in making a one-to-one comparison with us in Israel because not everything transfers equally. Agreed. However, I think this is one of those big lessons that we can learn from the scriptures and see there is great danger, A, in ignoring the voice of God, mm-hmm. just like there's great danger in ignoring the voice, the, the voice of our parents. Yes. When they warn us against something, it's for our good. Mm-hmm. But also the great danger of looking around and saying, we want what everyone else has mm-hmm. instead of what God is giving us. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a very poignant lesson for us today. Oh, absolutely. So Saul is anointed king by Samuel and um, meet there the um, connection between the church and the state Mm -hmm. all the way back here um, continues through history Charlemagne um, you can look at Queen Elizabeth of England being um, um, anointed by the Archbishop of Canterbury so there is this weird relationship between religious authorities and the king. And Does good ever come from that or frequently come from that? If the king takes it that they sit on the throne as a result of God and his power and grace, yes. But sometimes it creates these weird relationships 
Um, Saul is anointed king. He's leading people that have weird expectations of what a king is. But there's this strange story in the 10th chapter, the 9th verse, about Saul. Mm -hmm. Saul turns away to leave Samuel, and God gave him another heart. Another heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When they were going there from Gibeah, a band of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God possessed him, and he fell into a prophetic frenzy along with them. When all who knew him before saw how he prophesied with the prophets, and the people said to one another, What has come over this son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man of the place answered, And who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when his prophetic frenzy ended, he went home. So there are all kinds of ways we might describe this. Uh, in the times of John Wesley, they talked about enthusiasm. Enthusiasm was a dirty word because all faith was very meet, right, in our bounden duty, and, and you just stood or sat there and with a lot of tranquility and Wesley was in, uh, accused of being an enthusiast and here we have King Saul acting enthusiastically mm -hmm. that the spirit of God uh, comes upon him and what we need to learn from this is you and I as Christians in the being part of the 21st century, don't need to be afraid of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that sometimes God calls us and um, wants us to, to do certain things in His name, but He also empowers us to do those things. And when the Spirit of God comes upon you, sometimes you cannot control your response to the Spirit of God coming upon you. That is my E100 commercial. But remember that Samuel took a vial of oil, 10th chapter, first verse, poured it on his head, kissed him. Samuel anointed Saul. This becomes a very interesting issue for David yeah. because there are places where David has Saul in his crosshairs mm -hmm. and David and Saul's relationship is just very interesting. And I'm going to skip over David and Goliath. I'm going to come back to David and Goliath, I think. Um, but I want to... Saul's going to slaughter some priests. Here we go. David... Saul has returned in the 24th chapter. Saul has returned from following the Philistines. And he's been told that David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to look for David. And David's men in the direction of the rocks of the wild goats. And he comes to a cave. And there are a couple of caves in David's life. Comes to the cave and, you know... David and the men are sitting in the cave, and David stealthily cuts off a corner of Saul's cloak. And this is verse 5 of the 24th chapter. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, David was stricken to the heart because he had cut off a corner of Saul's cloak. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to raise my hand against him, for he is the Lord's anointed. So Samuel, at this point, had already rebuked Saul, basically saying, you're not God's chosen king anymore. But David, David is. still sees and, 
Saul is being anointed. Yeah. David honors that anointing, yeah. and David honors that that position. So that anointing that Samuel does earlier on has an impact on King David mm-hmm. and how he reacts to the Lord's anointed. I wonder in that in our culture if um, we have as much respect for the Lord's anointed. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't seem to have a lot of respect in our culture for anybody or anything. And maybe it's an old-fashioned way, uh, old-fashioned paradigm of showing respect, of, of, of honoring what God wants done or what God does. So it's just an interesting uh, way of uh, David may not have respected Saul, but he respected the anointing that God placed upon Saul. Right. It's, it's in the church we talk about um, you might not respect the person, but you respect the office they hold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got a little bit of that going on here. Absolutely. Um, do, you think, do you think that disposition that David had was one of the reasons that God chose him? I mean, if, if the tables were turned... It doesn't seem like Saul would act in the same manner. No, Saul would not have have shown David that respect. And the other thing you've got with David is he's unfortunately anointed king at Hebron seven years before he actually becomes king. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of like, remember Will Muschamp was the coach in waiting at the University of Texas (laughs) so long ago, y'all, and Will couldn't wait. Mm -hmm. And so he leaves and goes to... Where Florida mm-hmm. uh, and just things did not go well. Crashes and burns <laughs> in Florida. Goes to South Carolina, crashes and burns, and now Will Muschamp is waiting for a coaching job. David was put in this awkward position mm-hmm. of he's partially king but not king. He's been a anointed king but not crowned king. Um, so David shows a lot of resolve and resilience to. At this point, not overstep those bounds because he's already been anointed king at Hebron. He could have taken Saul out and they'd gone, well, you know, God made David king. But David said, I'm not messing with the Lord's anointed. I heard a wise preacher say one time that a dream delayed is not necessarily a dream denied. And he was he was urging patience because sometimes even though something is far off and you know it's coming or even if it should be, the route to get there is going to teach you and give you what you need to be successful. And if you try to short circuit that by taking a shortcut, well, not only do you cause damage to yourself, but to other people, look at Abraham and Sarah, they're running ahead, trying to make the promise happen, causes issues that we still feel the repercussions of today. Yeah. I just think about, uh, I know, Chris, you and I will remember, you know, taking the standardized tests through school and everything. And they would always always stress to us, okay, don't get ahead of us. Listen to all the directions before you start. I remember that very distinctly because I was one of the kind of people that, uh, oh, I've I've heard the first three words of the directions. I know what's going on. Now I'm going to just start working ahead. And, and because that's just what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But God in, in these words here is saying, wait and listen to all my directions first before you assume that you know what I've got planned for you. 
So wait, let, let, me, let me finish the directions before you start taking the test. I, I see that very strong similarity here mm-hmm. uh, of, of David having to wait because Saul is still king. Saul's still in place. Yeah. Yeah. But you also have David ministering to Saul, playing the mm-hmm. liar, calming yeah. him down. Mm-hmm. Um, David was faithful to Saul the whole David tried to, to help Saul succeed. Right. And I think that's another good mark of of maturity mm-hmm. is, again, if you don't respect the person, you still respect the office and understanding that mm-hmm. the office succeeding is good for everyone and it's the right, right thing to do. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the, the main differences that I notice in the, the character of these two individuals is Saul... It, He's kind of an arrogant jerk. And even going back to his childhood and everything, he, it's like everything is given to him. He grew up in a wealthy house. He's, you know, a big, handsome dude. And he's just, well, but, but that's given that's to the him. initial description of mm-hmm. him. I mean, that's yeah. the way they describe him when Samuel goes to meet mm-hmm. him. He's a head taller than everyone else. Yeah. Everyone looks at him and says, Yeah, this is a king. Mm-hmm. Whereas David was. Exactly opposite yep. in every single facet, mm-hmm. in, in his birth order, in his stature, in, in the, the what his life was before he was anointed. Mm-hmm. So I, I do see this consistent and sharp juxtaposition between Saul and David. But I got to mm-hmm. be honest, I've always felt a little bad for Saul. Oh, sure. I, 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 I have always felt like, did he get a fair shake? And I know that's weird to say, but God instructed Samuel to anoint Saul mm-hmm. knowing how Saul was going to turn out. Yeah. So was Saul necessary? Could could Saul have repented and been the king that God had designed to be? I think we're always given that choice, right? Saul was okay until he went to the witch. Mhm. That was but, a no-no. But but well, even before then, it seems like Saul. The pattern I find in his life is he doesn't consult God. Mm-hmm. He, he he makes decisions quickly mm-hmm. and on his own power. And again, when we see the history of Israel, even go back to Joshua, mm-hmm. when when Joshua and the other leaders consulted God, they succeeded. Yeah. When they ran ahead and didn't, when mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, we got this," mm-hmm. they would get beat, and they'd have to retreat and regroup and go yeah. to God. And God would say, "Well, you didn't ask." Yeah. So Saul seems to show that pattern to me, but I just, I just, I've always had a hard time. I, I feel bad for mm-hmm. Saul. Well, sure, I think there's uh, definitely a, a degree of that in in the way we, we read it, because after all, he is just a dude. He's just a, a human. Yeah, but guy. he's in, he's in the Bible, dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's a Bible dude, dude. <laughs> um, so does that make the people who are in the Bible that much better? I don't know. It makes them in the Bible. Um, <laughs> but he was a king. He had, he had more responsibility, though. I, I, so, so I'll, I'll yeah. say that to balance it out. He knew the responsibility he had. He's a king with a nation still at war with the Philistines. He's mm-hmm. a king that we already know that the nation isn't really going to follow him. Because they want somebody to do their work for him. Right. David is anointed in the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel. You read that. 
David plays the lyre for Saul, starting with the 14th verse, and I bring it up because we're told that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Yeah, that one, I imagine, is probably going to throw that some That may call kinks. some questions, yeah. yes. Is there something in the Hebrew, Doug, that gives us some light into that because that's a weird weird verse it really is it's a it's a dark ruach from elohim um it's it's ruach it's the spirit or the wind mm-hmm. um in verse 23 the evil spirit from god came upon saul david took the lyre and played it with his hand and saul would be relieved and feel better and the evil spirit would depart from him again in that time frame god did everything mm-hmm. god was the cause yeah. of everything there was no dualism there is no dark and mm-hmm. light and good and evil it all comes from god and god is sovereign over over all of it, and just like God hardening Pharaoh's heart, mm-hmm. um, this is yeah, you know the converse of that. And we're way past that now. But the the Hebrew idiom to harden the heart, the word for harden, is the same root kavod. It's the same root word for glory. Mm-hmm. So the glory of the Lord. And the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, glory and hardening are the same words, which you really go, whoa. That that just, I'm not sure what to do with that one. Yeah, it's like, whoa. (laughs) The way I've always understood it is this. um, You can take two types of material, Mm -hmm. for example, plastic or wet molded clay, and you can Mm -hmm. put them out in the sun on a summer day. Yeah. One of the materials is going to melt. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the materials is going to harden. It's the same sun. Mm-hmm. It's the same God. Yeah. So then, is it up to us what type of material we would be in the presence of God? Mm. Well, it's Peter talking about um, in this rejo- in this you rejoice even for a little while, so that you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold though perishable, is tested by fire. Mm-hmm. And be found result in praise and glory and honor of mm-hmm. Je- our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a, a smelter issue that God bubbles off and burns away mm-hmm. what is false in your life. But we'll get to that when we get to the New Testament, y'all. We're still in the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 17 seems mm-hmm. to revert to an earlier time. Mm-hmm. Chapter 17 with the picture of David and Goliath, because when you see this battle in your mind, do you see David as a man or do you see David as a boy? I figure he's still a teenager at this point. Okay, but if you take everything chronologically, we've got mm-hmm. him already anointed king as a teenager. Okay. So I don't know. I'm saying, well, first of all, chapters and verses are not divinely inspired. So um, <laughs> right, forget that. They were inserted and, later. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if any of you know any storytellers that will be telling a story, and then they drop in a parenthetical that takes mm-hmm. you back 50 years to the story, prior right. to the story. And I going, never do that. Wait a minute. Good movies do that. Wait a minute. Good I, movies yeah. do that. And by never, I mean usually. <laughs> I usually. So, and the reason I say we picture David as a almost a child in this, mm-hmm. and it's not that's a bad thing about breaking in a new Bible. I don't have my everything marked up. Is they try to put Saul's armor on David before the battle? 
And it's yeah. way too big. Well, it's way too big. That just doesn't seem to make any sense because we all know that Saul is bigger than everybody else anyway. Well, he's bigger than anybody else, but you also are supposed to see this as just sort of almost comedic. Mm-hmm. You're, you're supposed to laugh at it. It's, it's what we did as children, putting on our parents' clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, David is, he's not there yet. And besides, David doesn't need Saul's armor. He's got gods. Yeah. And um, grabs him stones and grabs that, um, took the staff in his hand and chose mm-hmm. five smooth stones from the wadi. Put them in his shepherd's bag and his pouch, his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Mm-hmm. He didn't even need five. He just needed the one. Mm-hmm. Took the old Philistine down. And um, David and Goliath is a cultural image about, um, you know, the underdog uh, wiping out the big fearsome hero. Mm-hmm. And... Um, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking Mm -hmm. down the Philistine and killing him. And there was no sword in David's hand. So, so this is. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say this is one of those passages that I imagine a lot of people remember the mural on the Sunday school classroom. That leaves out the last little bit of the battle. <laughs> him, him cutting off with the him, sword. Yeah. Him holding, yeah. up, holding up Goliath's head like uh, Perseus holds up Medusa's head. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> again, you know, we, we take this the cool stuff out of the Bible. I don't know why we do that. If, but, if the uh, Bible were a movie today, it would be rated R. Oh, there's no doubt. It would, it would have to be. NC-17. So <laughs> as, as I read David and Goliath, I have always held the belief that had David tried to face Goliath in Saul's armor as Saul, not mm-hmm. as David, yeah. I believe he would have perished. Oh, absolutely. And, and for me, the lesson I've always taken away from that is God has called me to be me. God has mm-hmm. called you to be you. And when we try to function as someone else in the yeah. way God has created them, we do a disservice to who God has made us to be. Right. Yes. Even, like even though, Kyle, every day I do wish I was a little more like you. Well, most people do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Technology. So Second Samuel finishes up with David pretty much uh, king ended up. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't read a lot of Second Samuel in E100. We don't. Um, well, I mean, they're kind of big chunks, but there's a considerable amount that we don't. This is a little more reading this week Mm -hmm. uh, in E100. It's history, but it's exciting history. Mm -hmm. If you understand, it's written to explain why the Hebrews are in captivity and why bad things have happened to them. And it goes back to uh, leadership that's not legitimate or or leadership, legitimate's too strong, leadership that's not faithful to their own calling. you know, we have flawed characters, but we still have flawed characters in the story of mm-hmm. God, and we have flawed characters in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's pretty and much all there is, though. We have flawed characters at this table who yeah. are following Christ. So mm-hmm. it's not about perfection. It's about letting God work in your life. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I get the more I read, especially in looking at the story of God through the beginning all the way through the end, 
is that you see the list of characters that are there and that play significant roles and just how messed up they are because the truth is God only had broken people to choose from. Yeah, <laughs> if you look at God in his his HR history, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't pick very well. Right. Um, <laughs> and sort of takes care of all of our excuses, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So, Doug, would you say then that that the the marked difference between being Saul and being David is this openness of your heart to letting God guide and direct and letting God work instead of just relying on yourself instead of pride instead of I can do it mm-hmm. yeah it's David will even talk about that as he's repenting from his sins with uh, Bathsheba in the 32nd Psalm you know when he he lied about his sins and closed his heart off mm-hmm. he was miserable but mm-hmm. because it was out of character for him he is Scripture said he's a man after God's own heart, and David is even lifted up by Jesus as an example of uh, holiness and what can happen when a person uh, yields to uh, the leadership of God's Spirit. So yeah, Saul's all about himself, and Saul's about the power, and David, I think David takes seriously the anointing. Which is evidenced by what you just said, the fact that he wouldn't he felt guilty for even cutting off a bit of garment yeah. of the anointed one. Yeah, yeah. So and that's yeah. that story in the cave cutting off the garment is a funny story in and of itself. While Saul is yes, Saul using, is uh, turned is, aside. Yeah, as we'll using the bathroom. Get next using week, the cave. Using the cave. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we take advantages of caves in the Old Testament. Yes, this is true. Well, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering the first first and most of 2 Samuel, or some of 2 Samuel at this point. And you were alluding to David and Bathsheba, which is where we're headed next week. Oh, As, it'll be a blushing mm, podcast. It, it will be a blushing podcast. The yes. good news is that, Doug, you're back next week. I'm back next week. I'm by yes. myself. You're, well, up to this point. We have no idea who the who will, guest star is going to be oh, next the, week. Bring in a guest star. <laughs> you're going to bring in a mystery guest. That's right. Mystery guest take, next week. Take the bag off the head as you start the... Oh, we, we should do that. <laughs> that could be kind of interesting. Okay. Now... Um, <laughs> Again, we're recording these in January, so I'm going to look. Hi, camera. Here you are. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, we got a little while before we do our Q and A. Yes. Uh huh. Seeing where that fell. Remember, if you have questions, Kai will let you know how to get those questions posed so that that we is can, correct. We can answer those. And, Send uh, us an email to askgoingdeeper at gmail.com. It's a brand new email address that we've got set up that you can use to send your questions and complaints. I promise I will read your complaints and I won't just forward them to Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but do send us your questions to askgoingdeeper at gmail.com because we do have uh, these question and answer sessions that we're going to be doing. And we need questions to answer. We need your questions. We need your input for those to be successful. Otherwise, it's just going to be us talking about stuff that we want to talk about. (laughs) And what makes this interesting is when we're talking about stuff that you want us to talk about. Yes. 
So if you're new to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe so you're notified whenever we publish a new episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review. That is the best way to tell the algorithms to recommend this content to more and more people. You can also find the podcast on Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as on YouTube. If you prefer to watch what we're doing in here, just search for us, Trinity Rustin. That's all one word, Trinity Rustin. Anywhere you can put Trinity Rustin into a Google search and you will find most of this, except I believe there's this one website that still exists out there that dates all the way back to, oh, I, I think uh, Fred and Andy were still here. Whoa. Uh, and so I can't figure out how to turn it off. So <laughs> if it looks like it's a little bit old, it's the one that I haven't figured out how to turn off yet. But yeah, just search for us, Trinity Rustin, all one word, wherever you enjoy your podcasts, and that's how you can find us. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.